Welcome to What Won't She Say, a woman-centered podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Mastic. Stick around for the season to be inspired by amazing women who bravely delve into the stories of their lives, giving hope and inspiration to others. Together, we will explore such a wide array of topics that you will be asking yourself, what won't you say? All right, welcome back to our Ted Lasso recap. And this week, we are recapping the episode Sunflowers. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Yeah, so this is final season, season three, episode number six. uh, And we are believing in biscuits. Welcome back. Man, I this is becoming my favorite part of the week because this season has been a roller coaster. Yes, it has. So it's really fun to think about and talk about and rewatch. And oh my God, some of the um theories online are just bananas. Like bananas. people are you know, like this is like lost territory. Yeah. You know, people have I mean, there's gotta be, you know, some sort of um like like fantasy version of you know like like uh fantasy football like people yeah. have to be at last time trying to figure out all yeah. the yeah possible it's crazy <laughs> so if we start from the beginning i love the fact that the songs or the um episode started and ended with the same song mm-hmm. and it was bob marley's three little birds but everyone knows it as every little thing's going to be all right and I love it starts it, it, when they're at the, the match, you know, it's the friendly match and it starts playing and, and someone says, I love this song. And Rebecca's like, God, I hate this song. It's so depressing. And then at the end, it's like the greatest song in the world. And she, she yeah. gets it. Like she has that epiphany. perspective. Yeah. yeah. I love the, I love the bookend of that. I agree with that. Yeah. It, it, well, so this whole thing, it, this episode stands alone. Not that it's like a beard episode standalone where it doesn't have anything to do with the storylines. No, it's good. Oh. But it, it's almost like it's almost like um, a movie. Like we yeah. both left this going like this is our favorite new movie. Like it's it's a full hour long yeah. or a little bit over. Yeah. And it just covers so much. And the story arcs are so beautiful. And like you said, like the bookends, I mean, it's, just, it's very, in, it, again, intentional and and a very comprehensive episode. And they're in Amsterdam, which is super fun. So they're there for yeah. just like an expedition match, which they call a friendly. Yeah. yeah. And I want to point out right away to get this out of the way. We'll go back and kind of go in order of how sort of some sort of order of how things go, but that your third thing from the psychic finally came to fruition upside down, covered in water. Yes. And I'm so glad that that's that, that, that that's why, right? So mm-hmm. Rebecca falls. So Rebecca's on a bike lane. Do you want to go back? No, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't know if that is exactly why though, because she talks to Sassy right before it happens. Right. So like she literally is on the phone with her when it happens and she ends up throwing her phone in the water but yeah you please please tell i was because i i i wanted to point out i'm not so sure if we're done with that storyline with sassy you think you think my speculation might still be correct yes because why would they have her talking to sassy while it's happening why tie that together it was so arbitrary sassy just called her on the blue and was like i know something's wrong with you you know i i that's why i called she's like no you're wrong this time she's like i'm not wrong and that, that was the conversation they were having yeah. And then, um, you know, the guy called her attention because Rebecca's walking over the bike bridge and not a pedestrian bridge. And he's trying to get her attention to let her know. And she falls in the water while the gentleman from the houseboat is trying to get her attention. So right away, it sets the episode off with a different tone because Rebecca's so poised and in control and so like embodied all the time, you know, so um, like, um uh, 
like a very solid planted tree. You know what I mean? Like she's, yeah. she's statuesque and she's so just, so to have her prat fall into a river immediately makes things like, okay, all right, we're going silly. We're going different, you know? Yeah. And so then the guy who uh, had been calling to her, like trying to get her attention to get her off the bike lane, he also then tosses his phone in, in solidarity yeah. and welcomes her to his houseboat. Yeah, because the first thing she says, because you right, it kind of goes to like silly sort of, you know, wonky kind of antics. But then the first thing she does is she's floating in this mucky water and immediately says, where's my phone? She goes right, right back to being Rebecca instantly. Yeah. And, he, and he's like, you know, basically, she, you know, he's saying, like, why are you worried about your phone now? And she's like, wouldn't you be worried about yours? Basically, and he throws us in the water. He ends his call, throws it in the water and she goes, fair enough. <laughs> Well, so then I think they did a really good job. So this is a stranger, this strange man on a houseboat who is welcoming her on to dry off and stuff. And she takes a shower. He does a very good job very early on of establishing her safety. Like it could be a very scary situation, right? Mm. Like she doesn't have any way to contact. She's in a country she doesn't know. She doesn't even have her purse. Like she's already said, like she's very vulnerable right now, but he's very mindful of that. And they have this kind of immediate, um, chemistry but also like safety notion you know like, like they're it's all out there they're talking about kind of uh the dynamics of this strange meat cute you know and making sure that she feels comfortable and stuff yeah we have a completely different reading so there's two things in this episode that i hate i hate that whole entire thing with her and the guy you do it. It oh was, my god everybody online is just like over the moon swooning over him right because it's it's a contrived turd it's so contrived. I hated it. I hated like okay. that's so let's not. See, let's just summarize what happened, basically. You know, we'll go into this and then we'll back up to the beginning of the episode because we're missing a lot of things. We kind of went right into Rebecca, but my thing is that she falls off the bridge. They have this whimsical moment. That's fine. I will. I will extend my imagination that far. Like okay, and they have and she's floating in the water and they're having this exchange, which seems kind of ridiculous because of who Rebecca is and anybody. Like it's, you fell in the water, your phone, you dropped your phone, you're vulnerable. And they're having this like cutesy, like repertoire thing back and forth, kind of annoying, but fine. But then the whole entire, the only thing I think they played out that was really smart was like the push and pull of her not wanting to and wanting to and not wanting, like thinking like, this isn't a good idea. And then, you know, being swept up in the moment over and over. But mm -hmm. the thing of it, um, I don't see anybody, and this is obviously looking through my lens, you know, that's all I can give you is that I don't see any woman that's like, yeah, let me fall off the, off the bridge, come into your houseboat, take a shower, put on your ex's clothes. It got like creepier and creepier and creepier to me. And then while I'm in your ex-girlfriend or ex-wife's clothes, um, then you're going to be gone when I get out. But then, you know, cause he's like, why, you know, I want you to feel safe and not be here or whatever. But then he like, he's making a meal and then they're having wine. It, it's just like, what like again i get why well, everyone's swooning over it but it, it's just manufactured so weirdly to me it, so to me though um that is the rom-com staple is that that's why i hated it it was lazy well so but we know that the show believes in rom-communism <laughs> they've established that and so yeah. these are like i mean i i think um note for note you know rom-com um uh, arcs right like 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 you know and, and so mm. I, the fact that they kept being like that they kept adding do you feel safe is this weird you're a stranger do i know you should i be drinking like that they kept bringing that up mm. to me was grounding it a little bit more in reality 
from where rom-coms would be doing it you know what i mean and then the funny like so you know her clothes so she's in a bathrobe and then she changes yes into his ex's clothes and um her clothes take two hours and 40 minutes to dry because that is the reality of washers and dryers in europe like freaking forever so that's kind of funny um yeah, it was it was uh, like it was interesting. Like, there's a lot of questions on why they did it the way they did because they have this intense connection and these like you're assuming deep conversations. I mean, he's being very vulnerable, sharing about his ex and his child and his you know this and that. Um, but then they never exchange names, yeah, <laughs> or numbers or anything. Like, and then and then it like ends where he's giving her a foot rub and she falls asleep, but then she wakes up and doesn't know whether they had sex or not. Like, well, it's so weird. A, so to me, he very clearly would not violate her did not violate her like right. put a blanket on her walk to his bedroom like right. they established very clearly the boundaries that yeah. the safety, again the safety was not in question um yeah and, and i'm not like judging her for that either i'm saying the fact though that it was just like somebody who's so put together was like oh i don't know what happened last night like you didn't drink that much it was weird well, i don't that's that's i don't know that she was actually at, it seems like it like so in a lot of shows and a lot of movies and stuff that's a very unrealistic thing that i hate when they're like did we have sex last night yeah. Fuck you know if you had sex yeah. you can tell if you had sex like yeah. there's evidence if sex was had okay like that's just the body you know what i mean like come and yeah you have to be basically passed out to not remember you know what i mean like you can't be so it was weird. unrealistic to me you know um and it's not like they were like making out and did we accidentally have penetration or not they weren't there was no there was no nothing of that happening the foot rub was the closest thing so i love to use accidental penetration is my favorite that i'm using that from now on for everything it was was accidental penetration it was accidental i don't (laughs) i don't penetration is even better (laughs) incident so if we back up a little bit though do you mind backing up and starting let's do it yeah we start we start with basically the the match goes poorly it's 5-0 they get shut out it's horrible as far mm-hmm. as like the, the reporter is talking to Roy in the hallway and he's basically saying like, you guys suck. You lost this. You suck without Zava, you know, and um, Roy but kind of Zava. Don't yeah, and, and I love that. They don't mention that. Like they were on a losing streak with him, but um, yeah. So Roy kind of, you know, um, has a meltdown about it and, and uh, is basically like, it was a pretend match and you're asking me pretend questions and you're a pretend reporter with a pretend job. Like he was pretty mad, but pretty then, funny. The whole whole exchange with Rebecca when again Keely dumps Rebecca when she when Rebecca needs her and goes off with Jack who wants to take her to see Aurora Borealis and she has a jet waiting. Roy the sees Borealis. it all. Yeah, yeah, Borealis. Yeah, uh, but most Northern Lights tonight. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, so the yeah, billionaire love- off flitting away on her private jet. Mm-hmm. And then Roy says, "Where is she going?" And I love the line where Rebecca says, "With someone who believes they deserve her." Oh, zing. And then just doesn't even look at him, just walks away. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That was fire. That was like mic drop. Yeah. You know, and then Roy proceeds to punish Jamie for that. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So, so yes. So then they all kind of go in their own direction. So the team goes back to the hotel. Um, and well, well, they're on the bus right now because they're on the bus and, and uh, all the spirits are low. And Ted says, I'm going to say three words that, uh, you know, when a coach says that he's very serious about it and someone's like, you know, Sam's like live, left, love, uh, you know, like all these different things. And he's like, no, uh, no curfew tonight. And so, Which yeah, is so funny to me that it just occurs to me, like uh, athletes never really get to be full grown ups. Like they always kind of have a den mother slash, you yeah mom you know like like it's wild to me that these grown-ass men have curfews and stuff you know like it makes sense i suppose but damn yeah. 
no yeah so that i mean their entire life is all is all is rigid at least during season you know yeah and then the whole thing with that it starts going from there because everyone's like woohoo a night off that's great we can do what we want and someone's like let's go to a live sex show let's go to museums or whatever and jamie's like yeah and roy's like not for you taught you know and he makes him get off the uh bus and stuff but then they that whole story with the jamie, jamie and and Roy spending the night riding bikes, trying to find a windmill. First, it starts with with you know Roy uh, making him making him run, and Jamie's just outpacing him and, and just kicking his butt, you know, and and playing tourist. Like that whole story arc was just was was just chef's kiss. You loved it. Oh my god! I had some issues with it. Okay. So it was super cute and fun and adorable. And I, yeah, I love the friendship that's developing with them and the respect and the, you know, and they've, and it's been earned. It didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, Roy stood up for Jamie, you know, back when he hugged him over the dad thing. I mean, like there, it's been coming together. It's been, it makes sense. Um, What I didn't love about it is that Jamie all of a sudden like knows things and is smart, you know? And so I don't know if they just, he's more comfortable in who he is. And so he's evolving and developing. I mean, I think that's, in celibacy, sometimes, sometimes people like find it's like you shut down one sense and all your other senses come alive. Like maybe, you know, he's just kind of like thriving as a person, you know, but the fact that he knew so much and remembered so much random like pop culture stuff and literary stuff and, you know, things from all over to give us who are in Amsterdam. And then later said he'd only been there twice when he was a teenager. Is that what mm-hmm. I understood? Like, mm-hmm. we know all the things still today, unless he did a yeah. bunch of research before, you know, or something, which is maybe that's cute and charming, but like, I don't know. It was a little, that, that to me was a little contrived. Um, and a little convenient. And a little convenient. Like they keep, mm-hmm. yeah. Like they, I think they're using him now almost for like exposition or something. And he wasn't he wasn't that guy before you know what i mean so i think personally he's always been that guy if you think about like a lot of um kind of overlooked one-liners by him even from previous seasons he actually Mm -hmm. always was smart but i i knew that guy i knew that guy in high school and college and my 20s where um he didn't want anyone to know that that he was into medieval history and yeah he had all he had to be about was banging chicks and drinking beer and having a good time like he had to be that guy and so i think again i i will can you know concede to the fact that it is convenient i i'm going to give you a lot of that because i i think a lot of the show is that this season they're they're doing the best they can but a lot of it is just like we need to sort of wrap this up in some way and so i think well, the, we all want a happy ending for every yeah. one of these characters who love it's not you know like we definitely want there to see their growth and their and we want to see them thriving you know and i don't think even at the state that she was in when she was dating jamie that keely would date a total idiot I think yeah. that he, she probably knew things about him in private, like he was, you know, the things he was, was into and stuff. And I think yeah. also that um, he does state when he and Roy are driving around on the bikes and just going all over the city, um, Roy dials into the fact that the two times that Jamie was there were, were probably very traumatic. And and Jamie's like, oh, I don't know. I don't remember. Like, of course it was traumatic. You don't remember. Well, it was, it, it, it's it's one of those moments again where like you laugh and then you're like, Oh, you know, like, yeah. so she's said her dad, his dad brought him to lose his virginity with a prostitute. Yeah. And, and Roy goes, Oh God, that must've been really traumatic. And he goes, no, she loved it. Which yeah. is like a, <laughs> a ching, yeah. you know? Yeah. He's gotta but be that, that guy again. He's gotta be the, by the cool guy, the, the banging chicks guy, you know? Well, and that was never an option to consider his own yeah. feeling. 
course he was supposed to want that. Like, why yeah. would, you know, like, of course, you know, and, and your dad knows best and you, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff. And his dad is but gross. You look back at your childhood and you go, Oh fuck. <laughs> you know, and that was one of those moments where like, you know, somebody else is seeing you and your lack of, uh, of not even someone Roy is pointing it out. Roy, like again, Roy is much deeper, you know, but it, that to me was like, you know, it, it was so telling, especially if you are from a background of trauma when he says, oh, you mean traumatic for me? And he's like, yes. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't remember. Right. And so, it's, yeah, that, that was telling in and of itself. Those are the things that I liked about it. I thought the writing was really good. I like that. Yeah. Um, I like that the really smart thing they did was that Roy doesn't know how to ride a bike. So Jamie's going to teach him. And he tells the story of why. And it's literally almost a Ted story. His granddad was going to teach him. He died before he came back. Like they, uh, they tied some parallels to him and Ted in that, in that writing. And so that's what I mean. Like, I agree that a lot of it with Jamie was convenient, but if you really rewatch it, you know, a couple of times, mm -hmm. there were so many bombs of why Roy fits with everybody that's around him. They tied him to so many different storylines of all the other people that are in his life. And well, he, said, he said about that, what I loved it. The, the this it was just this quiet little line but it was like yeah so i never learned how to ride a bike because my grandfather wasn't there to teach me i guess probably not learning it is dishonoring his yeah. memory oh he's like shit. oh fuck and then he had, yeah i knew he had to learn how to ride a bike but i love like the even the again making it loose and light the yeah. exchange of them learning to ride the bike and and james James yeah. the reasonable one the whole time. So like Roy at one point picks the bike up and throws them. He's like, and how is that going to teach you how to to learn to ride a bike? Like I love like he was just very. Yeah. He was like he was like the the loving but stern dad. Like and how is that going to help the situation? Yeah, I don't. I mean, it was it was very like um uh like silly fun. You know, it was like, almost like, like Benny Hill style of English exactly, writing. Or like you know? Lucy or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're mm -hmm. expecting like the wee 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 while they're riding right. the bike around because he's like, I can only turn this way, I can only turn this way, right. and then he gets him on the bike. He's like, pedal, pedal, and his legs are straight out to the side. He's like, pedal, Roy, pedal. <laughs> so I guess like so uh, that to me is similar to you have to just sort of have to like you just sort of have to believe in it. You just sort of yeah. have to look silly because Roy's a super athlete and mm -hmm. a very coordinated human being unlikely that's how we're learning to ride a bike would go for him you know what i mean mm -hmm. so so just like the rebecca and the bow guy you just have to go okay so we're gonna see the most kind of endearing funny sweet version of this in reality it would be you know different but that's okay you know that's good i think it was on purpose though because they talk about roy and jamie before that are talking about fearlessness and i think the whole thing was there was no athleticism with um Roy learning to ride the bike. It was all, he was a little kid again, waiting for his granddad. Like yeah. it was all fear-based. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that athletic part even kicked in because he wouldn't have acted like um, such um, such an oddy body person from him. You know what I mean? It was so strange. Right. Like you said, it didn't line up. But I think that was literally on purpose why they went so far with it and drove it home. When he was able to just surrender with Jamie, which is probably yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, I think the overarching thing, and I agree, even the whole thing with Rebecca and the guy in the boat, but the overarching story is what's important. And I appreciate it. And I'm not going to get hung up on it on, on the parts I didn't like about it. The same thing with that. Also going then to Higgins constantly over and over saying he's taking will the kit man to the red light district i'm going to the red light district we're going to the red light and i, I knew it was going to be about jazz i knew it i just knew and uh i love he's he's does the whole line where he's like um 
uh, I'm going to take Will to the wet red light district and uh, make him a man on the bus. And they end up doing a tour and it's basically where Chet Baker died. And Higgins says, we don't know how, because he ended up, they don't know if he fell from the, from the four story or he was shoved or whatever. And he's like, we don't know how uh, he died uh, or what, what really happened, but the moral is drugs are bad. And then the very next scene, Brett, uh, Beard and Ted are microdosing with the yeah. tea. <laughs> like it's the very next scene. <laughs> so yeah. So of course, Beard in Amsterdam, you can imagine has some plants, right? Piggy and Stardust. Ted is saying, um, I, you know, I recognize that I'm stuck, that I'm, I'm in this depressive cycle. Like I'm in a bad place. I can't find myself. I don't, nothing's making sense right now. You know, last episode he was talking about, um, am I, am I a mess? You know, like he's, he's, he's recognizing the ways that nothing in his life works right now. So Beard's like, okay, finally, good. Let's do, let's do some drugs and open our minds together. And change. I've been waiting my whole life for you to say this. <laughs> it's, it's thing this will change your mind. Yeah. It would be like fresh white fallen snow. <laughs> yeah. So that was cute and fun. And of course, Ted goes back. He won't do it. You know, he's closed off. He doesn't like the tea. He doesn't want to. He's afraid of, you know, expanding his mind beyond alcohol because that's the only one he's ever done he's comfortable with. And then um, those are those are huge metaphors, though, is that the two things that he hates the most right that right in that moment, it basically he hates England. He doesn't right. want to admit it, but he hates a lot of the stuff about where he's at. And he hates, um, you know, basically he's re you know, resistant to any sort of change and broadening his rise and open his mind. And I love like the one thing that, that was, seems so representative to the things he doesn't like about England is tea. Like yeah. that's the one thing he won't, it's a non-negotiable. He just won't even, he's tried it. He's like, I hate it. I won't try it again or whatever. And then drugs, you know, shrooms, like where it's going to actually, you know, expand his mind. And you know, they dial in later on at the end of the episode when Beard walks in as Piggy Stardust. And uh, which, by the way, we were like, is it David Pigsy? We're, we're like, we're like trying to figure out what it was going to yeah, be before yeah. he said the line. And but um, he's all dressed up as a pig and he's got the Ziggy Stardust makeup on and outfit, but he's got a pig nose. But, you know, uh, him, he came on and said it like, oh, that was a dud batch. It was it was it was nothing. And then I called the supplier and he said it, it didn't do anything for him. But Ted, meanwhile, tripped the entire time he was on it. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, they implied it with like he, the whole. Or placebo. You know. He believed mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. his mind was expanding. So he was open to it. So, so he goes, so he drinks the tea finally after, because he's just watching TV because he's stuck in his hole and he can't do anything else. So, so he releases beard to go have his exotic adventures. And then he wanders. Um, Trent Krim has told us that um, the museums are open late that night. So he goes and starts exploring museums and somebody says, you remember some of those profound lines that came from the guy at the museum? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, the whole exchange was great. So he goes into the Van Gogh Museum and uh, he uh, walks around. And of course, the episode is Sunflowers and he ends up at Sunflowers. And um, the um, either I think it was just one of the museum workers came up and started telling Ted basically what the painting was suspected to be about. And he went into this whole entire um, thing uh, this whole sort of monologue about how it's about uh, seasons of growth and sometimes you have to be persistent because they're painful and sometimes things don't seem like they're going, but you shouldn't try to reap too soon. You you want to sow first. And so Sunflowers was about a season of sowing for for Vincent. And of course, you know, you're you're you've drawn these parallels to Ted as well. Yeah. And uh, I always reach for beauty. Yeah. 
There were a couple of things. Just perfect, gorgeous yeah. conversation, gorgeous dialogue. And then I love it abruptly. He's he basically blows Ted and the listeners' minds, and he's like, "Oh, and by the way, the museum closes in three minutes." <laughs> like yeah. it just like comes yeah, gotta in. go. Yeah, yeah. So then Ted earlier had found a um, 2.7 Yelp rated uh, American restaurant where the portions are huge and it's all fried, disgusting food. So, so he wants a taste of home. So, I mean, I think, you know, we're seeing how just kind of homesick he is like for himself, right? Oh, this too, whole, but... this whole entire restaurant scene was great. It was, it was. <sighs> yeah. Well, and, uh, and it got like um, some of the CGI, like an- there's some animation and something, you know, so, like they were playing with stuff that they don't usually get a chance to do. Um, so, yeah, so he goes to this American restaurant, you know, again, they're riffing on uh, musicals and stuff because they just consistently are. Um, and then he either trips or has a mind opening experience in some way in front of onion rings. He starts because they're playing old basketball games. On yeah. TV. Yeah, it reminds me of his dad. But I think part of it leading up to that, though, is something broke him. And one of them was if you if you kind of connect the dots was before when they were when he and Beard were trying to figure out somewhere to eat. He said they were in a hotel room. Beard said, have you found somewhere to eat? And he's like, no. And then right after he said I'm stuck, he found like this really shitty Americana restaurant there and said, oh, we should go there. And Beard's like, what's the rating? It's like two point seven or whatever. And he's like, no. And yeah. And then he goes in and it's and it's all these people from like everywhere other than the United States. And they all have these fake sort of hee-haw accents. And uh, they're like very like, you know, over the top um, characterizations of people in the South and stuff like that. And um, what I thought was fascinating about it was you could tell Ted suddenly thinking, is this how I look to them? Mm-hmm. it was very like hollow and then he realized like the one guy was like do you want to you know hottie partner do you want to sit in the in the windy city or here here whatever and he's like he makes a bunch he makes like he does like rapid fire chicago references and the guy's just staring at him and he's like you know i'll take uh chicago and the guy just stares at him he's like the windy city like obviously you don't know anything about this what your knowledge is is hollow you're you're detached none of this means anything to you and you could see it like really kind of bowled him over and looking around at everything you, it was again like this hollowness and then when he connected with the with the basketball game going on and his dad and then he he orders the most american thing a tray of fries and a, and a tower of onion rings Mm-hmm. supposed to be a triangle but it's really just like a big round mound and he makes reference to that and then the waitress comes and asks him what kind of barbecue sauce and they of course had 50 different barbecue sauces and he said surprise me she brings the one from kansas city also when he's at the van gogh museum uh he, he's explaining to him the sunflowers he's like oh that's the kansas state flower yeah. that you know parallel and then he says why did you pick this barbecue sauce and she said it's the best one and they talked and about the game the- and he broke open it's from the restaurant that's his yeah. screen favorite. I mean, it's his yeah. favorite. Yeah. So yeah. he's he's Dorothy. Yeah. Great. He's great analogy, Sarah. Great he analogy. Go home. Yeah. You know. Um. <clears throat> yeah. So you're absolutely right. So that's when his mind actually expanded. So then he starts coaching again. Right then. So then he starts right kind then. of strategizing and getting his confidence back and feeling himself, his feet under him and stuff. Yeah. I think it's the first time he's coached since he's been there. Yeah. Because he was actually coming up with plays and strategy, and he thought he invented like this whole new style of playing, and he he got from the museum worker um, a sunflower empty notebook, and he started writing in that notebook. You know when he was you know quote unquote tripping from the from the shroom that may or may not have been effective. 
and writing all these different plays and and he was writing like plays on words it was really like not only um really inventive but it was artistically creative he was playing on words and playing how words sound and stuff like he really opened up and was playful and sort of adventuring as they showed him flipping through the pages Mm -hmm. you're right and the and the main um strategy is going to be move 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 keep moving keep changing keep evolving which i think is like again one of the yeah. pieces right? yeah he says we're going to do the triangle position which is it was basically uh the dutch had come up with this in the 70s but um where everybody keeps playing a triangle and then you keep moving there's no static position so then you keep right. moving and if someone moves out of that position someone else moves in and exactly. so on and so on he's like yeah. and, and he says it to, to beard on the bus after the whole night out and everything and says, you know, basically, um, it's free flow and, and nobody's stuck where they're at. And basically, they'll be changing positions so often that there will be no positions. And then the other team won't know what's going on, be able to tell what's happening. Right. And Beard says, did you come up with this on the zone? And then he says, yeah. And he's like, well, great, because this has actually been around since the 70s and we should use it. And, try it. Yeah. 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 Um, so speaking of triangles, the pink triangle. So that was the other major thing. You know, we should wrap it up soon, but there was another yep. gorgeous scene. Trent and Colin. Trent and Colin. So, you know, Colin is not out to the team yet, as far as we know. Um, and we know that Trent has seen him kissing his, you know, boyfriend back in London. And we're not sure what Trent's going to do with that, right? Mm-hmm. So colin oh so i guess and the other thing the last thing we need to talk about is what the team ends up doing that night with their fun but mm-hmm. um but so while the team's trying to decide colin says he's gonna just go off go, go to go to bed or whatever so yeah, he, he ate bad herring pickled herring and had a right. stomach ache immediately once sex show was brought up he was like i'm out yeah that's a good point yeah yeah so he um takes off to a gay bar and trent follows him and at first, of course, Colin is alarmed by this because he's being witnessed and he's, you know, doesn't, he's afraid to, to, to be, you know, acknowledged as gay. And so um, Trent then, they, they go off together and have this lovely conversation. Trent um, comes out to him as well. And they, and I, did you think Trent was saying his ex that he came out to twice? Is that what he was saying? It was I thought it was his family. He had to come oh, out twice, once mom. to like his community and then once to his daughter is okay. what I heard him say. Yeah. Uh, Okay, it could okay. be off but yeah he's like I so basically I had to come out twice yeah and they okay. were really so he's like you know she was really accepting and yada 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 there was yeah. a lot of um unison comments which I thought was very fascinating from the LGBT community and a lot of people who weren't on the same threads had the same thing which was um they wish Trent had ended up not being gay and mm. so he would actually be an ally mm. he, he would he would be keeping the secret not to hide his secret too but to actually be respectful to Colin and to, to I, I what he wanted to do that. with his life. Yeah. I thought that I was interesting. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that. Well, especially cause he's like, you know, did you think, did you, I've known for months, there must be a reason why I didn't tell anybody. Well, right. there's several reasons it could be. And you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be that you also are afraid of this thing that you are, you know, or, or afraid of what, how other people will react or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that feels a little, and again, I think professional sports is like Texas and Florida. It's like going to be behind. Yeah the rest of the you know yeah and it, it's unfortunate but i was having sort of the same hang up a lot of people were and you had mentioned that you had read a lot of threads where people say soccer and or i'm sorry football in general in those countries are very behind the times with right. um gay rights and and just people actually being, like having, like it having be freedom a, yeah a big deal but it is yeah 
yeah so that was that was a eye-opener and a good reminder you know that you had said so to remind people listening like that that I know that's a thing but uh I, I'm not saying I feel the same way but I thought that was really really interesting that I saw a lot of people say that and I totally feel like I understand where they're coming from and uh, you know it I think it would have been nice though to have a mentor that's gone ahead that yeah. is 15 years ahead or whatever who's been through it and who can and he says he's like knowledge I'm not a professional athlete so this will be a different experience for you but I'm here with you and I'll give you my, whatever I've gained, you can have, you know what I mean? Like, so it's nice for him to have like a, uh, you know, a direct ally that's, you know, that can mentor him through it. I mean, that's so right away, he's not as isolated, you know? Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you sort of saying the thing of a mentor for the fact that I think the thing that was missed with some of these comments was that the writing ended up being about, the relationship between two gay men in this particular field and supporting each other and not as um, an overall message about the, you know, about uh, gay rights and as a whole or whatever. I I don't think like be it lazy or not or whatever you like, I don't have, I don't have a dog in that fight or an opinion, but I think that that was the writing was literally meant to show these two men coming together and being supported. They are also sitting on the homo monument monument in Amsterdam, the pink mm-hmm. triangle, they're sitting mm-hmm. on yeah. a place where it recognizes all of the folks, all the um, LGBT folks who were um, killed in the Holocaust. Yeah. Basically. And then, you know, and I think since, you know, they, so they, they have an annual, um, I was reading about, it, I wasn't familiar with it, but they, they have an annual um, kind of day of like a Memorial day. And then also like a giant, like celebration of, you know, of, yeah. of people and, and where we've come and, you know, that kind of thing. I loved um, it. I, I love the way they did it. I love the, I, the fact that it didn't become a love story between the two of them. Oh, like it right. was just, I love that it was just two friends. They have something in common and they were able to actually have someone to lean on, talk to yeah. and to p- support each other. I thought it was, I thought it was a really cool moment. And the, the oppression, you know, that they, they don't yeah. skim past that. I mean, they're looking, you know, they're, they're right in kitty corner to where on Frank was, yeah. you know, prisoned in that attic for all that time you know so yeah and then okay back at the hotel the team yeah i again this was not my favorite bit of writing i thought the the whole thing with the team took up way too much space and time i agree with that and i thought the ending was really really dumb silly silly yeah even even knowing back that it was a throwback to previous um dialogue yeah, so I, I agree. Bad. It was so bad. It just also I was like, feed these people. They have to be starving. I was I was worried because they never went to a restaurant or ordered in food. It was yeah, that's, <laughs> that's funny. That's the thing I think. Food. That's what I think too. Yeah, but it was so like it was so cringy. It was just you know, like the captain standing up, like, we have this moment, like like doing like a Spartacus thing over like finally deciding on a pillow fight, like. I, I get the where they're where they're putting nods to and everything, but it was so over the top and it was it took up so much unnecessary space and time that real yeah, writing. So they were debating on. back and forth, back and forth on what to do, and then they voted, and then they were gonna do this. And the, yeah, I agree with you. It just it stretched on forever with not a ton of payoff. And I mean, I think for some people it was really satisfying to see them have fun in a in a pillow fight, but like I'm I don't need to see adult men do. <laughs> and, and in a lobby of a hotel, like suddenly right. they have yeah, suddenly the they have access to like yeah, sixty pillows. Yeah. And, 
I don't know. Like, I get the frivolous moment because, again, like there was a lot of it was dense. There was a lot of good, heavy, meaty, uh-huh. substantial writing. So you can't have every second of an episode to be that. But they really leaned on. And maybe we're both missing, you know, the overstory of the team and why they did that. But it felt like it was just filler and it was a well, long time. What they're obviously between. So so that that happens and then they go on the bus and they're all singing together, like almost famous. Right. So what we're seeing is the team coming together. So they're going to have these new strategies and they're going to have this new yeah. closeness and this new love and like kind of uh, like a more relaxed, open, kind of self-aware, you know, way of yeah. doing it and self and, and accepting and stuff. And they're going to, they're going to do great. You know what I mean? We know they're going to start winning again. Like, so, you know, I, I mean, I think that's what they're trying to do is tie them all together. And if they'd gone to a sex show or to a party or to wherever, where they were each pursuing their own things, they wouldn't have gotten that bonding. You all know? right. That's fair. That's very fair. Yeah. Again. Uh, but, a lot but, of people loved it too. but they're only in amsterdam for a night and they yeah. stayed in the freaking hotel like just as having like a pillow a, fight just, that stressed me out you yeah. know yeah like you know you're they not back home you're not eight years old like you're not just hanging out in a lobby of a hotel having a pillow fight like that, those are our options like anyway yeah so those were basically all the touch points of the storylines that are going on we can't talk i mean we I, we could dissect it for another hour but i don't think everyone wants to listen to another hour so no it's a beautiful sweet cool exotic episode um lots of great moments lots of great dialogue and so much that they you can see them starting to kind of tie some stuff up and it's going to be satisfying and there's still six more episodes so and they're just like such fun like one-liners of getting on the coach coach when Roy's standing down there's like and gets up. <laughs> like it was just like cute funny little like things that it yep. it definitely for me I'll, I'll end with saying it filled my bucket with what the last episode missed yes so yep. um it, it had all the good feels and the bad ones there's a lot of like things that they unpacked but it wasn't like good feeling so much as I want you to keep me invested in the people and the last episode did not. This mm-hmm. episode did, where like suddenly you know about more about Jamie, you know more about Roy, you know more about everybody. Yeah. And uh, you know, and like finally, after two and a half seasons, they break open Ted a little. Yeah. That was very satisfying. That well, and that's good. actually realistic to me. You know, so you go to therapy mm-hmm. for a while, mm-hmm. it gets messier and darker before it starts actually like some healing and some kind of opening happens. So I mean, I think this is in line with where he's at. You know. Yeah. And the fact that they did it all at once, like he's starting to open up, he's now starting to coach, he's starting. But I think that they were telling the story with everybody here is you cannot have one foot on in two different things. Yeah. That was the story for everybody. Everybody it was fascinating. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. And that's what I took away from it at the end is that you, in order to have some sense of sanity and satisfaction in your life, you have to commit. Colin can't just be on the fence about it. So you, know? you can't be living in fear. Roy like can't. Jamie can't. Yeah. For everybody, yeah. It's yeah. That, like safe, you know, ego protected kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Beard, Beard's trying to live in a complete alternate reality and in reality. And so he ended up not getting what he wanted with the microdosing. And right. Well, it's fascinating. Really, let's say, let's just one thing about Rebecca's storyline is like everybody's speculating, you know, the baby, the baby, the baby. Everybody's because, of course, whenever you, talk about a woman's life you have to be talking about what her you know womb status is mm-hmm. which pisses me off but 
Aside from that, she let her hair down in all the ways. Like she was makeupless, she was barefoot, she was relaxed. She was she was what Sassy has described she truly is at her core when she doesn't have to be performing and protecting herself and stuff. I mean, she mm. really she's saying several times in this episode, which again is like her kind of earthy, you know, the, mm. the real her. So I mean, um, yeah. So I think that's you know we're seeing Rebecca kind of see what she wants not just what will um give her like retaliation and satisfaction and money and stuff you know i that definitely shed a lot of light on it for me and i will totally agree with that i think that for me the part, part that's still hard is the timing is that it doesn't make sense that she just falls off a bridge meets a stranger in a boat and suddenly she opens up like that that to me is the is the yeah. kitschy rom-com part that was very hard for me but yes um I but I do like I do like what you said that makes a lot of sense and we're gonna leave it with the very smart Sarah and me saying I like what you said and we're gonna I think we're gonna wrap it up there anything else you want to add before we finish no thanks all for your patience we had some illness and some vacations and stuff and we uh you know finally got around to it but it's a it's a great episode lots to dissect so we'll be back um later this week with episode number seven yeah, I just want to point out we were late because uh, Sarah was on time and having the time of her life in Disney World with her family. I had the pukes. So yeah. one of us was living the best life. The other one was was Sorry. living in a bathroom. <laughs> Super sexy. But you, you're sitting upright and you look good now. So uh, and happy I, I, birthday tomorrow. And also, everyone, if you notice the change in uh, our music up front, that is Sonia and her husband, David. And it's so fun and awesome. I love, love, love the version that you made. It's so cool. The Ted Lasso theme song from Mumford. Not Mumford and Sons, just the one Mumford. Yeah, just the one Mumford, I believe, is yeah. the writer. Yeah. So well, it's a you singular Mumford. Is it a month? It, it is Mumford. It's not. Oh, okay. yeah, so it's a singular Mumford, no Sons. Okay. All right. And the band is called Incidental Penetration. Is that what we decided? I mean, I feel like that's at least got to be the name of the album. <laughs> all right. See you all soon. The, the, the band will be called Reckless Sex, Incidental Penetration, the album. Love it. Yeah, like a theme. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Good night. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to What Won't She Say. You can find us at whatwontshesay.com, on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere else that you like to find your podcast. 